You're listening to Five Things with Lisa Birnbach. Hi, it's Lisa Birnbach. Do you want to see the Aaron Sorkin version of the election and this year? Or do you want to see it made by the director of Parasite? I feel like I've been an unpaid extra for almost four years, and I'm done. I'm done with his voice. I cannot listen to Donald Trump speak. I feel like it irritates an infection, or he is an infection. Maybe that's just me. I just can't wait for this to be over. And I I am saying this because it's not going to be over soon. No matter what, he'll be president until January. God help us. And you know what? He, we're going to hear him. We're going to hear him forever. He's part of who we are now. He's like herpes. We got him and we can't get rid of him. But you know what? We just have to be patient. We cannot let the urge. People are saying they've waited four years to vote. And that's a good point. I mean, we just have to be patient. We won't know the answers right away. And don't listen to people like me. Just be patient. Maybe that's when we're going to stream, you know, Law and Order or Parks and Rec and just really zone out. Speaking of films, and that is my smooth segue to this week's guest, documentary filmmaker Alexandra Pelosi. Her newest movie is called American Selfie, One Nation Shoots Itself. Oh, it has a breadth of America that will take your breath away. It actually will. Starting from the vanity of selfies to going through a year in America in which we became more divided, more ugly, maybe more authentic. Alexandra Pelosi is not a big woman, and she travels alone without a crew with a little camera in her hand, going up to big people, some of whom are are large and scary, and asks them questions about why they feel a certain way or if they feel a certain way. There's an innocence to her questions and an objectivity. So she gets answers that are, you know, she doesn't seem to be coming from any camp, even though her mother happens to be Speaker of the House. But anyway, she's a fantastic talker, a fantastic kind of girlfriend, even though we talked over the phone. And I can't wait till you hear her. But before you do, here's my list of five things that made my life better. Number one, voting. Ding, ding, ding. I take it seriously. I really do. I wanted to vote on the first day of early voting, and we did. There were many long lines all over, wherever in America, and the vibe was positive, and it was intentional, and it was democracy at work in front of your eyes, and it was a beautiful thing. Number two, my mother, who is 90, published a humor piece on a website that's kind of cool that I never heard of with my brother Norman's help. I'm going to reprint the whole thing on my website at lisabernbach.com. It's just the coolest thing ever. It's about insomnia, and I guess she wrote it at night when she couldn't sleep. So I share it with you. She's working on a sequel, by the way. Number three, decluttering. It's now or never. I'm picking now. I had a million excuses for why I couldn't, and and the stuff in the house is, you know, if it's here long enough, it's like an uncle 
who just is sitting in a chair. It's got to go. And I'm excited about doing it. And if I didn't have to do this taping, I would start decluttering this second. Number four, merino wool. Okay, this is going to sound crazy, but I feel sorry for merino. For years, everything was merino or Shetland or virgin wool. Now everything is cashmere and nobody wants to wear those other wools because they are a little itchier, they're a little thicker. Well, I like them. They're old school and they keep you warm and they are way less expensive than cashmere. So in the decluttering, I'm going to tell the merino sweaters in my cabinet that they spark joy and I'm keeping them. Number five, fake Melania. Now, I don't know if this is true, but apparently there are known fake Melanias who have been hired by the White House. They say they were hired by Mark Burnett during The Apprentice. I think there are fake Melanias. Maybe I'll post a picture of the latest one. But that is to say that Donald Trump can't persuade his actual wife to go on a campaign trip with him, so he brings a lookalike. I mean, can you imagine if there were a Mamie Eisenhower lookalike, a Lady Bird Johnson lookalike, if we found out that there was a Michelle Obama duplicate? How crazy is this? This is why I am going crazy. Well, coming up, Alexandra Pelosi. She has seen America, and she has a lot to say. Don't go away. Alexandra Pelosi is my guest today, and she has made 14 films so far as a documentarian. Her newest is called American Selfie, One Nation Shoots Itself, and it begins, it's 2020 in a nutshell, but from its most benign to its most toxic places. Welcome, Alexandra, and thank you for joining me. Thank you. I like your toxic places. Welcome, Alexandra. (laughs) I am toxic places. I, that's my, my career. All of those films, toxic. Yeah. I'm looking at a list of your 14 films and you know what? There's some toxicity there, but somebody needs to hold a mirror to who we are as a society and it's you, or you're one of, one of the talented people who can do it. This new movie is so interesting to me as the parent of, I would say, three, they're not digital natives, they're a little older than that, but three science experiments who use their phones as their homes, their carapace, you know, and your kids are even younger, so they're totally defined by what they see online, right? It's the most challenging I know every parent thinks that, but this, I mean, the war that I fight every day is the war against big tech, Facebook, Mm -hmm. Instagram, Twitter. They're destroying my children's mental health. And every single day I have to go to battle with it. And every child's mental health. Yeah. And every adult's mental health. I would say, if you ask me traveling the country, what I learned from talking to people, it really is no matter who you're going to vote for, they all say the same thing. Social media is destroying the conversation in this country. It's undermining our democracy. People are just shouting at each other. They don't listen to each other. They're just having fights. And then every algorithm is feeding people what they want to hear. So 
you can live comfortably in your little liberal bubble if you're in Manhattan or in your conservative bubble if you're in Texas. Because I have a sister that lives in Texas. And every time I say, oh, did you see this? She says, I didn't see that in the news. Well, you get a <laughs> So we all get fed what we want to hear. Right. And it's right. throwing the conversation. So that's, you know, the reason I make these films is I go out and I try to talk to people and try and get past the fact that I don't hate anybody and they don't hate us, really. It's just that's how it looks on cable news because cable news is in the business of dividing us. And social media is in the interest of getting very rich off of exploiting our division. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that Rupert Murdoch is more to blame than, let's say, Zuckerberg? Or do you think they're all in cahoots? Well, right now, since our president said he's the wartime president, they're all war profiteers. They're all getting right. rich on the fact that we all have to stare at something, whether it's our TV or if it's at our phone. They're all getting extremely wealthy. When we already know about the wealth gap in this country, they're all right. extremely wealthy. And I haven't seen any proof that any of them are doing anything to contribute to society. And that's the heartbreaking part yeah. of it all. We're all, yeah. we're all the lemmings. We're all the little t- suckers because we have to get, I mean, I have such a complicated relationship with my telephone because yes. on the one hand, you need information. So you work through your phone, right? It gives you the luxury of being at home so you can work there. But at the same time, it's feeding us these toxic feeds of noise that just make us angry. And it's all very... I guess the word of the day is toxic. It's, yeah, it's very toxic. And even when we see a tweet in all capitals, I take it as somebody is yelling at me. You know, I don't even have to hear a sound I feel yelled at. Do you ever feel that way? Well, I feel like the lies are bothering me more. I don't care about the all caps. I care about the lies. The fact that you can say anything and there's mm-hmm. no filter. And then, you know, now the tech companies are trying to get in there, but it's so... No, it's lame. I mean, when they all say, when the tech gods say, you know, I don't let my kids go online, or I don't let my kids use Facebook, or I don't let my kids use whatever, it pisses me off. They created it. We're all glued to it. We're addicted. I think it's fair to say that modern people, people of this decade, are addicted to social media. The president, if he is said to do anything at all, it's just to tweet his lies and points of view. What do we do to get unstuck? Yeah, it's a really dark chapter in American history because the the more dangerous part is that, so you're lucky your kids are grown. I have teenagers. And they look at this and they say, there are no rules. There's no order. You're supposed to wear a mask. They go to school, they have to wear a mask, but the president doesn't wear a mask and he has super spreader campaign rallies all across the country. So if you don't have any role models and you don't have any respect for people in authority, it makes it very hard to, you know, if you're developing in this era, the combination of the toxic news feeds and social media, and then the president with all the things he say that aren't true, it's a really hard time to, I I just thank God I'm not a teenager in 2020. Yeah, me too. But I do wonder how do parents say to their children, that is a lie. People who lie go to jail. It's a gateway drug. It's a gateway crime. You cannot tell a lie. I mean, it used to be a much easier lesson. You talk about George Washington and the cherry tree, and you talk about people who've gotten into trouble for lying. But now, what do you point to when you try to emphasize to your kids how important the truth is? I don't have any answers. I'm sorry. Oh, too bad, because I'd love I'd love an answer. So this film is a snapshot of America in so many different flavors and colors and 
let's try not to say toxicity, of 2020. Beginning with the phone launch of the iPhone, the iPhone 11, which people need the way there is this deep, deep need for new things. Did you find that consumerism, I think I learned that consumerism is for mostly trying to staunch the inner despair of people? (laughs) We're talking about the inner despair. I have to laugh because, you know, the whole purpose of the iPhone was so that we could all look perfect on our feeds. It was all just to mask the pain inside. It's all like, look how perfect and happy my life is, even though Mm -hmm. I'm completely broken on the inside. So it's funny that, you know, you're already at that place. But you know why I'm so conflicted about the whole iPhone thing is that on the one hand, these things are for the narcissism and I'm going to fall off the edge of the Grand Canyon just to take the perfect selfie. People, right. you know, to their own death to take the perfect selfie. But at the same time, I mean, obviously I showed up to film the line of people lining up at five in the morning to buy a new iPhone and mocking their narcissism. At the same time, this 17-year-old girl who took that iPhone and turned it on the George Floyd murder became right. the video that changed the course of human history, right? Right, so, right. The defining moment of 2020, as a documentary filmmaker, I would say the Oscar for best documentary film in 2020 goes to Darnell yeah. Frazier, the 17-year-old girl who filmed the murder of George Floyd, which started a social justice movement in this country. So you have there is some good. It's just a question of whether or not you're going to use this little toy in your hand as a weapon as if you want to be a war photographer and get out there and capture what you see going wrong in the world, or if you're just going to use it to take selfies of yourself and make your life look so perfect. That's up to you. There are people using these things for good. So that's why- Well, indeed, I did not know about police brutality at the level and ferocity that it exists until I started looking at people's homemade phone camera videos of things like the murder of George Floyd, like the 75-year-old protester in Buffalo, New York. You see it in real time, and it's an eye-opener. The thing that's important about the George Floyd video is she recorded the whole thing. Usually you just get a clip. I remember when I was in graduate school in Los Angeles during the Rodney King beatings, they were saying, well, you didn't see what happened before. You know, they could always say that. You saw the video of someone getting the crap beat out of him, but you don't know the bad things he did before. Yeah, you don't know what he did to deserve it. Right. But in this case, we saw it from the very beginning. So that's why it's so powerful because you can say, wait, I watched the whole thing. And that's well, and then it becomes something you can't take your eyes off of, too. I mean, I saw George being killed three or four or five times, and I don't know why I felt I had to see it more than once. It was so heartbreaking, and maybe it almost didn't feel real at first. Yeah, if you ever watch the cop cams, those are interesting too, because you can see other people were there and they were saying, stop, you're killing him. There were other people at the scene. Because when I watched it, I thought, how come nobody's speaking up? Right. Of course, a 17-year-old girl is not going to start a fight with the police. She's documenting it like a great documentary filmmaker would. But there were other people there saying, stop. So I like looking at all the different angles. It's a, it's a really interesting study in, you know, human, you know, it, it's almost, um, again, to go back to the theme of how we use these dangerous little devices that are in our hands. Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. really- do you do you film any of your documentaries on your phone? 
Well, I don't. I have a small handheld camera. I don't have. Okay, so I film all my documentaries myself. I don't have camera. Right. And I right. film everything on a small handheld camera. And it's not much bigger than an iPhone. In fact, everyone jokes now that the iPhone camera is probably better than the camera I use because mine's been outdated for years, but I just love it. Uh-huh. It's a tiny little, it's like the size of my hand and it's just uh-huh. comfortable sitting there. I mean, I was born with a camera glued into my hand. So I love all the new toys, you know, these, I still love the cameras. So I haven't gotten to the point where I just say, okay, that's it. I'm just going to use my iPhone. (laughs) I'm too conflicted about what Apple has done to society to then say, I'm going to make my livelihood off of an Apple phone. So I'm not right yet. You know, I go with the the people that do this professionally that made cameras for this. For this purpose. And when you made this movie, American Selfie, how many states were you in? Mm -hmm. I know you've been to all 50, as by the way have I, but how did you decide where to go? Well, what I did was I started in 2019 and I looked at sort of the picture of America and what are the big iconic moments in America right now? So they're obvious, the Super Bowl. So I went to the Super Bowl to talk about Colin Kaepernick and social, you know, all that. That was pre-George Floyd, obviously. Right, right. Everyone likes to act like they just discovered racism in 2020. Well, this has been going on and Colin Kaepernick tried to warn you. I mean, it's been going on forever. I took my kids to Selma in the beginning of the year to go down to the lynching museum. It's almost like you have to teach kids hate to explain to them, you know, this this country has a really dark past. Everyone should have to do that. They should all have to go to Selma, Alabama. You know, anyway, that's not the point of this conversation. The Super Bowl was an example of like, let's talk about racism in America because a lot of people were wearing Kaepernick jerseys and the San Francisco 49ers were in the Super Bowl. So it's right. appropriate, like we could have this conversation at the Super Bowl. Or I went to El Paso, you know, where- so, Right, so I'm trying to right connect, after the shooting. I'm trying yeah. to connect the dots for people. You know, the president says invasion, invasion, invasion. And then some deranged kid is like, there's an invasion, gets a gun and goes and kills Latinos because, you know, they're invading our country. Well, that's sort of, and when I was there, when I asked a man outside, you know, at the memorial, is this the darkest chapter in American history? He said, yes. no, it's going to get a lot No, it's work. coming. Yeah. Yeah. But people see it. You could see this coming. I mean- we didn't just wake up here. Writing's been yeah. on the wall for a long time, and you could see it. Another event, the Minneapolis. You know, everyone talks about Minneapolis in 2020. It was terrible, George Floyd and all those protests. Right. But I was in Minneapolis last year at a Trump rally right around the time of the Muslim ban. When the right. president went in and was saying all these anti-Muslim things, and the Muslims were outside protesting and saying, I'm an American, leave me alone. So the seeds of hatred were being sown, and this kind of fueled by our president, of course. It's all of course. been out there. And so yeah. you can go back. It's all been back. out there and and he has permitted it to be open. He's taken these dormant sentiments or these latent sentiments and uncovered them. And people are proud to be whatever they are, haters or racists or xenophobes. The things they were saying about Muslims to these Muslim women, knowing that they were on camera is really quite extraordinary. We will be right back with Alexandra Pelosi. Don't go away. We're back with Alexandra Pelosi, and I wonder, people aren't all bad or all good. I mean, you see these vicious people in Minneapolis in 2019, a year before George Floyd, and you see them being absolutely abusive to these women who are wearing their head coverings and are saying, but home is Minneapolis. I was born here. Does that mean those people are bad? I don't think that 
people are bad. I think we all have two wolves inside of us. I think we all have our tendencies to be our best selves, and we all have a tendency to be our worst selves. And I think social media exacerbates our worst selves, you know, amplifies our worst selves. Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. I think that if you watch too much cable news, you know, I can't tell you how many times (laughs) uh, people have been, you know, my mother has full security for a reason. People get yeah. arrested and go to jail for threatening politicians. Yes, and yes right. What happened in Michigan with the governor of Michigan? But uh, one time, this man went to jail for threatening to kill Nancy Pelosi. And when they went to interview his mother, he said, "Well, he was just watching so much Fox News. He just got uh, really angry because he watched so much Fox News." That's what his mother said about him. So, I mean, this stuff gets really dangerous. It's not just division making us hate our neighbors. It gets to I'm going to kidnap the governor. Right. I don't know how right. to get there. The president told us to stand back, stand down, be ready. You know, people take it literally. What I worry about is people say, oh, I can't wait till the election's over. Yeah. That's what? It, this country it's not going to end. It's not right. going to end. No matter who wins, the other side is going to be protesting in the streets and saying it wasn't legitimate. We're heading into a much darker chapter especially with another wave of COVID coming. So let's Correct. not all, you know, if you want to be on the, you know, you want to get in your happy place today and you want to try and think positive. So maybe I should change the subject. No, no, no. I think it's absolutely. And in fact, it's something I've been thinking about. November 4th isn't going to dawn a whole new America. We are where we are for a reason. And between the cable news and the social media and the sort of cruelty of children, we're in a difficult and dark place no matter what happens. And I think you're right. There will be calls to recount and illegitimacy and protests and, you know, and plus people in this country brandish guns. They don't, they're so angry. They have no words to use when they are furious. Yeah, the genie's out of the bottle. I don't yeah. know going to get it back in. Electing Joe Biden is not going to put the genie back in the bottle. So I don't know why no. everybody's acting as if like, oh, we're, we're almost, it's almost over. It's not. Well, I guess for one thing, people can't imagine going through more years of this, but things are so broken, as people say in your film, that it is going to get darker before it gets better. And, it, you know, these things, these processes, rebuilding the Justice Department, but more importantly, rebuilding trust. Americans have grown so cynical and untrusting and furious. And as you say, some guy's been watching so much Fox, he wants to threaten your mother's life. I mean, that's a big leap. That's a big leap of, of, of Fox. That's a big dose of Fox to get to that place. And it doesn't even have to be somebody that you've heard of. Remember the story about the judge in New Jersey? Someone went to the door and just killed her. Yes, and yes, killed this woman judge. And so the son, I mean, when you think about that, that makes you- Oh, killed the son of the woman judge, right. right. No, but but when you think about that, you think, you know, everybody's a target now. Yeah, yeah. What about the fact that people walk around with their iPhones and they're in their hand more than they're not? You even see people like- Anna Winter, whenever she makes an entrance, she has her iPhone in her hand. And Kardashians and all these people. Are they even aware that they're sort of on camera at all times? Or do they they just forget about it as just a thing that's in their hand? I think that most humans now have a phone attached to their hand at all times. And they 
pay more attention to the phone than they do to other human beings around them. Most people mm-hmm. walk down the street staring at their phones. It makes me, you know, when we're in quarantine, people say, oh, I can't wait till we can go back outside again. I'm like, what are you going to do when you go back outside? Stare at your phone? Yeah. Walk down the street staring at your phone? It's not as if you're going to run out and hug a tree. I mean, <laughs> you're just going to go in the park and stare at your phone. I know. I once was able to buy a ticket to the U.S. Open, and it was really, it was a last-minute cancellation. I sat by myself watching this incredible match, and the people in front of me who had actually paid a lot of money for the seats were taking pictures of themselves. I thought, why even bother leaving your house? What what the hell are you doing here? They have to brag to their friends that they're at the U.S. Open, and, and they're not. You know, it's a way of showing off and saying, I'm here. I exist. Look how fabulous my life is. I know. I know. And then, you know, our children, no matter how old they are, tragically, they see somebody who they follow because he or she is an influencer and seems to have the most perfect life and beautiful and art-directed perfection. And then they find out this person killed themselves or overdosed or some tragedy. I mean, it's just inexplicable to a lot of people how we have allowed this digital facade to become who we really are. Yeah, it's heartbreaking. It is heartbreaking. The film, though, is more than just people becoming war photographers with their phones. It's also a movie about consumerism. It's also a movie about tolerance and fear. Well, it's the end of America. I mean, that's what I'm basically documenting is the end of, a, of an era. You know, you can't call yourself the greatest country. on You know, I, I was indoctrinated into a family of public service and told from a very early age that this is the greatest country on earth. You know, my right. grandfather was in Congress. He was part right. of the New Deal. And my whole adult life, my mother's been in Congress more than half of my life. I'm 50 now. And she went when I was in high school. So I have watched a lot of great noble people give their lives to public service. All those Mm -hmm. people in Washington, I really respect, I don't care about your political party. I've watched people give their entire lives to trying to make the world a better place. And they've all in every speech, Democrat or Republican have said, this is the greatest country on earth. And my teenage sons just don't believe that. They laugh Mm -hmm. when you say that. They Mm. make fun of my mom for saying that in speeches now. Now I have a Dutch husband. So they've been to Europe and they understand that there's a quality of life there. And when, you know, we started our whole quarantine thing, my son went to Amsterdam. And he said, Mom, I just discovered something. It's called quality of life. And your government matters <laughs> because they have it under control here. And yeah. people respect the government. So they listen. And so they have it under control. So everyone gets to go to school without masks. And it's a wonderful thing if government works. And our government is just broken. And there's no mm-hmm. way to candy coat that. It's completely dysfunctional. So on mm-hmm. top of the problem we have of social media and like giving everybody their toxic voice, uh, you know, having to listen to that, we have, you know, a broken political system. And at some point, you're going to have to say, this is unsustainable. I mean, there's a lot of banana republic behavior. This is very third world country. A lot of yes. people see in America right now. Like yes. in my film, I was in Lafayette Square when the National Guard was shooting chemical agents at yeah. protesters and journalists before curfew. Now, that to me is what happens in Venezuela. That's what right. happens in those third right. world countries. That right. doesn't happen in Manuel Noriega's Panama. Yeah. Right. This is not America. And then they gaslit us and they said, oh no, we weren't using chemical agents. Well, how come I took home the canisters? Because they right. and they were shooting bullets and rubber bullets and, and tear gas and some other. I started collecting the stuff off the streets and bringing it home. And 
So I have proof that they did. And now people have heard that. And even though the administration said it wasn't the National Guard and they didn't use the military, they did. And they did. Identified and even Millie apologized and all that. But the point is that some of the behavior that our government is exhibiting is not greatest country on earth behavior. And it's about time we just admitted that. And somehow, and I'm not really sure why, you have to wrap yourself in the flag and say this is greatest country on earth. And if you don't, you're a traitor or you don't belong here or something. Oh, but that point has been made by the right wing forever. If you don't wear a flag pin in your lapel, you don't love America. As if that were enough. And they wrap themselves in the flag. And meanwhile, they're answering to Putin or to money or to something that isn't an ideal. And there was a day, I'm telling you, because my first job out of school, I worked, I spent a decade as a network news producer. And I used right. to cover Capitol Hill, White House, back in like the Clinton years and the Bush year and all that. And I will tell you, there was a day where Democrats and Republicans did not agree and they didn't get along, but they had civil conversations. Correct. They debated like human beings, like grownups. Correct. And now the gro- there are no grownups left. It's just yeah. it's become this sort of people just make shit up and put it on Twitter and that's it. Yeah. That path yeah. for you know public dialogue. Oh it's- yeah. And you believe it or you dismiss it depending on where it comes from. You figure he doesn't talk to me, she doesn't speak for me, whatever. I find myself always being surprised by how many decent Republicans I agree with when I read them online. You know, I used to be the kind of person who's who only believed what Democrats say. But now it doesn't matter anymore. It's about decency. It's not about party. And it is about putting the country ahead of our own interests mm-hmm. and our party's interests. Well, I will say, I mean, I don't want to go partisan. I don't want to make this a big political soapbox thing. But you have to say that this Republican Party is the party of Trump. They've been tied. I mean, they vote with him. They yes. support him. They're afraid of him. So they don't. So we like to say, oh, it's just him. It's not just him. Even if he loses, you have a Senate and a House full of people that were his enablers. So yes. I don't know why people act as if, oh, he's so bad. It's easy to pin it all on him. But there are people well, who he couldn't have done worse than he has been saying for much right. longer than he's been saying it. So, yeah, and he couldn't have gotten as far as he did as a cult leader if they didn't follow him and want to follow him. You look at Lindsey Graham, who turned a 360 degrees around from where he first felt about Trump. But I don't want to talk about Trump. I want to say that American Selfie, One Nation Shoots Itself, is a fascinating and realistic look at what is going on in our country. And no matter where you live, you don't know until you sort of travel the country with my guest, Alexandra Pelosi. And I really have loved talking to you, Alexandra. Thank you. Appreciate And there's so much more that we could talk about, but I have to say it's time for your five things. Oh, gosh. Pressure's on. Yeah. Five things. Okay. So uh, your five things that made your life better this week or any week, really. All right. Number one. Yes. So I have two teenage boys and I'm sort of this homeschool warden principal person. And I have to sort of police teenage boys throughout the day. And which as anyone knows is a sheer pleasure. (laughs) (laughs) 
I mean, I think online school, we call it online school theater because you all just <laughs> pretend. You go in your right. room and pretend you're in class and I'll sit out here and pretend that you're in class and we'll all, you know, we're going to coexist and we're all going to pretend that everything's normal. And right. When you're in bed without any clothes on, um, <laughs> eating cereal and pretending to be in, in math class. Yeah. yeah. Right. So for me, and talking about what gets me through the week, I always say, as often I catch my kids not in class and I catch them on YouTube. Shocking. Right. And shocking. They turned me on to this YouTube series by this guy named Johnny Harris. Johnny Harris is a legend. To these kids, he's an icon. He is a guy who makes the best video series online, and it's called Borders on Vox. And it was just canceled, which makes it even more criminal that they canceled it right now because it was the most important thing. As far as I'm concerned, who needs school when you can watch Johnny Harris on YouTube? To me, having not seen it, I've got to agree. Wow, I've watched the whole thing. I mean, I, I watched this thing, and my kids turned me on to it, but I've learned so much from him. And, you know, if, if I could live my life all over again, this is who I would want to be. You know, he's wow. who I would show. And the thing is, every I've made 14 documentaries. 13 of them were on HBO. This one's on Showtime. But everything I made had to be in America because American television really just cares about America. But Johnny Harris gets to travel the world and he gets to go everywhere. And here's wow. the, but this is the funny part. He's got a wife too. Huh. Right. So I watch this is like I sit and I watch these two sit on their couch. I love her. I love her too. But my team uh-huh. are more into him. Right. But they <laughs> travel the world with their kids. So oh, wow. Too. And so I don't, it is so hard to work with kids doing what we do, like making videos. And these two, they make it look effortless. They just travel the world to like war-torn places and they have their kids in tow. So it's fascinating to me. So my son is, one of my sons is applying to high school and on his application, they said, who's your role model? And they're expecting to hear like Gandhi, Martin Luther King. And my son said, Johnny Harris, because he takes his camera and he travels the globe to make videos to teach people what's happening in the world. Need I say more? No, no, no. I get it. And by the way, he should get into that high school because that's a perfect role model for him. Also, you've taken your kids with you when you film. Yeah, and it's oh, it is like just killing yeah. me so hard. Yeah, that <laughs> in an era when it's hard for boys to have role models. You know, you right. look at our president, and he does. There's no order in our society right now. No, there are no rules. No. There are you know, no rules. If you you know, it, we're supposed to wear masks, but the president doesn't wear a mask. He goes to a super spreader event and just spreads his. Some congressperson jumped into the crowd like it was a mosh pit at a rock show. Yeah, it's crazy. Crazy. So, so you got to watch Johnny Harris and his wife Izzy on YouTube. I think if you okay. had daughters, you'd watch Izzy because she's like a great female role model. But, you know, my boys, that's, I'm just putting the plug in for them because they're amazing. I don't know them. I've never met them or anything, but I just know that they've taught me more about the world than I ever learned in school. Amazing. Okay. Number two. Okay. I don't know where to go with number two. I'm thinking, I'm just riffing here. I think I'm going to go with the Justin Bieber video, the new video. Okay. It's so heartbreaking and well shot because it's one take. And it's, okay, so Justin Bieber, he was some shitty little child star. I would never have anything nice to say about Justin Bieber. And then I saw this lonely video and it's just, it tears your heart out. He's alone and he's singing about how much it sucks to be a child star. And the little boy who plays him is a child star, which makes it a little more 
like deeply troublesome because you're like, oh, I just saw a really bad. Oh, movie. I just saw him in Room. Yeah. yeah. I just saw him in Bad Boys, which is another, you know, bad movie. But anyway, now that I've told you, you know, I'm a really bad mom because I let my kids watch YouTube all day. So since I, I know you're just, I, I would say you're a mom. I wouldn't cast any aspersions on a mother who, I mean, our kids are on screens all day long. So right. we'd rather have them on Johnny and Is Harris than we would on Justin Bieber all day. But I failed at the Tiger Mom thing. But at least I didn't ruin my kids' lives by trying to make them into child stars. You know, when you see that, people are like, okay, <laughs> my kids may not be rich and famous one day. They, you know, they may have some crappy bureaucratic job, but at least I didn't ruin them. And isolate them yeah. and let them get 100,000 tattoos before the age of 18. Exactly. So I feel like that it puts it all into perspective. That video made Correct. And was sad because he was, Justin Bieber was on SNL this past weekend and they made fun of him. You know, he gets tons of shit for being this sort of, oh, the poor brooding rock star. It wasn't well yeah. received. You know, this like opening up and show, showing some vulnerability and some pain. You'd think you'd get credit for that, but he actually has been getting like a lot of hate. But who cares what they say on social media, really? Okay. You know what? There is just this like gusher of hate under the sidewalk. A friend of mine used to say, if you drill down in New York sidewalks, you'd find like black bean sauce for all the Chinese food takeout. But really, if you drill down under any city, it's just hate coursing through the country. Oh, you don't feel good about yourself? Talk trash about Justin Bieber. I mean... <laughs> There is a lot of hate here, and I don't think people hate like that in, in Amsterdam, in Holland. No, they don't. I can tell you the fact. They don't. Yeah. Because they're they too busy riding their, their bicycles and putting chocolate on their bread. Right. How can you be a hater? Well, as my kids said to me, you know, my kids say, you know, the thing about Amsterdam is that the kids don't, there's not such a divide. And my kids are not that bright. They watch YouTube all day. But they were like, you, know, <laughs> you don't see the divide. Like in America, you get the feeling like they go to a fancy private school and the poor kids go to some broken public school. And now because of all the state and local funding, since the government won't give money to our schools, we are in a position where this educational inequality is so, you know, the divide is just growing every day. Right. Okay. We're going to go back to the rest of your list of things that make your life better. Mm, right. So we've done two. So it's okay. time for three. And I think, I, I can't tell you what to put in there, but. Well, I got a lot. I have a lot. It's hard to are down to five. I think for number three, I'm going to go with Instead of talking about all the people that are destroying the planet, like all the big tech companies, let's go with people that make the world a better place. Yes, let's do that. Part of the narrative of living in New York City is, okay, right now we have this conversation about how New York is dying. Right. right. And so they say, oh, well, you know, everybody's leaving. Nobody wants to live here anymore. It's no longer cool. It's disgusting. It's unsafe. Right. right. So- in combating that, I've like sort of two I want to say at the same time. Let, let's let's start with when I walk out my front door every day. I live in Greenwich Village and I walk into Washington Square Park and I see the amateur comedians on the east side of the park every day at three o'clock doing their amateur comedy. And then I huh. see the best jazz band you can find on, in America playing just for free right there. And then I see like some guy playing his banjo. And then there's a guy on his piano. And then there's right. a naked artist, literally naked with body paint all over their bodies, doing some naked dance. And then there's the like anti-Trump people marching with a, come on, 
New York, fuck Donald Trump. Like just marching. (laughs) So liberal bubble, right? But it makes me smile because it makes me think anyone that says that New York is dead hasn't been to Washington Square Park because there's a lot of interesting, fun, it's just life. It's life. It's vibrant. Yeah. People walking through the park to get to work as if they were just working, not in the time of pandemic. It's people going to school. It's little kids in a playground. It's NYU professors playing chess. It's It's drug dealers. Sorry. I had to put in the drug deal. No, but- Just to make sure we make it- And the drug deals. Yeah, that's true. That's true. We have to flesh it out in a very real way. We can't pretend it's all good, but it's not all bad. And where I live uptown, all that I see really is a smaller group of people on the street. The throngs are smaller. The line getting into the subway doesn't exist anymore. There are just not that many people around, but it's a full city's worth. Yeah. And, and then the people that are around. Okay. So then let's go back to trying to name people that are trying to make the world a better place, right? That Okay. Going. Well, wait, we're still going to say Washington Square Park. Okay. Put Washington Square Park on the list. Okay. All right. Uh, that's going on your list. I'll put it on the list because I mean, I've, I've lived in Greenwich Village for, you know, like 30 years now. And I always said when I got to New York City, and I was standing in Washington Square Park and just looking at the chaos around me that it matched the postcard in my head of where I wanted to live and where I wanted to be. And so I feel like it's never disappointed me. And I love that. This is decades I've been living here. And it's still, you know, I raised my children in that park. I used to sit there in the, in the kitty. There's also a little kitty park there. Right. Next to the drug dealers, there's the kitty park. And I, as as there, yes, exactly. Exactly. Well, that's fantastic. I'm, I'm making that number three and now we're on to number four. Okay. I would say there are certain places in New York City that you can go that make New York different than, say, Alabama. So I would say, for example, like anyone would say The Strand, because there's this fabulous bookstore that everyone around the world knows tourists come and they're like, oh, I have to go to The Strand. But I have to buy Strand merchandise. (laughs) But I would say forget The Strand and go to Dashwood. Dashwood Books is a small, really small little bookstore on Bond Street in NoHo, near the Strand. And it's the only independent bookstore devoted entirely to photography. And it's the perfect example of a place that makes New York City magical because the guy who owns it curates it like it's a museum because he knows everything about photography. I mean, the idea that you can find a guy with a little storefront that knows everything there is to know about photography. And if you care about photography, it's very intimidating because I don't know anything about photography. Even though I'm a documentary filmmaker and I've made 14 films, I still don't know anything about photography. I mean, it's, but we have to support stores like this because they make New York unique. And without them- They give it the texture that we love. And also for some people, I bet Dashwood is a haven where they can go and learn more from the owner and- feel like their needs are met. You can walk into a store and there's some Yoda that knows everything there is to know about photography. And he's just there. You can go and talk to him. The idea that that's accessible. If you lived in Arizona in the in Scottsdale, Arizona, where my sister lives, there's no, you know, Dashwood books there. This is why we live in Arizona. Nor will there ever be. Yeah. And these are the businesses we have to keep alive. Yes. 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 You know, it used to be if you went down to the village, you would find all these interesting little shops, especially used bookstores, but all kinds of one-of-a-kind stores. And then it became Petco, Starbucks, 
staples, whatever, and the city loses its vibrance and it loses its uniqueness, its authenticity. So it's great that a Dashwood still exists and that if you look hard enough, you'll find these little magical places in New York. Yeah. And we hope that they will stay and thrive. And we do. That's we do. important to us, right? Yes. Okay. So how and many number- have left? We have one left, number five. Oh, no. This is, I know I'm supposed to say my camera because that's glued to my palm since birth, you know, so in some version or other. But I think since if I only have one left, I'm going to have to go with yeah. let them eat cake. Yeah. Because do the cake. Never eat enough cake. Because cake is very important. And, you know, I just turned 50 and my boss, Sheila Evans, who I've worked with for 20 years, she bought me this big, fancy magnolia cake. And my sons and I just sat there going, eh, this is like plastic store bought cake. <laughs> the cheap white trash box cake that you just add water, you know, yeah. we make a lot of cake in my house. So we don't, it doesn't have to be the birthday, you know, and, and that sounds very bougie to be like, Oh, let them eat cake. But the truth is for like a dollar, you can go to the Kmart at Astor place and buy a box of box cake. So it's not like something fancy. This I'm talking about the, like the Duncan Hines, the Betty Crocker, yeah. the Pillsbury, you just add water yeah. and you have yourself just cake, a, a vacation on a plate. And, and I, you know, I'm just, maybe I'm just shamelessly trying to get myself an endorsement from one of these companies to just like sit in bed and eat cake all day. I think that would oh be my like, God, what a dream. Like, like, you know, you get like a Nike endorsement. If I could get like Duncan Hines to sponsor me to sit in bed and eat cake, all day. I feel or like even if you even if you traveled the country making documentaries but had a Duncan Hines logo on your jacket oh. and on your camera bag. Well, you see where like I'm going me. with that? That would make people like me. They'd want to talk to me because they think I had cake. Well, people love talking to you as I have, Thank honestly. You. And and this has been one of my favorite podcasts ever. Oh, thank and, you. Yeah, really. And I think the fact that you and your boys eat cake just makes you terribly relatable. <laughs> Why? Because we have big asses? No, because we all have our thing, our our guilty pleasure or not so guilty or not so pleasure. I mean, I would like to be sponsored by chicken, but chicken won't sponsor me. I would marry chicken like chicken if I could. I, chicken? I like fried chicken, okay? Oh, I've fine. just, I love fried chicken. Like, and I yeah, like roast chicken. Like fancy foodie, like one of those fancy uptown, like you have a fancy kind. No, no, no. I love okay. Popeye's chicken. Okay. I love it. I think you could get a sponsorship from Popeye's Chicken. Why not? Really? Yeah. Okay. I think we okay. Let's make, let's make it our let's make it our COVID since we're heading into the next wave and we're all going to be in lockdown again soon. Yes. Let's make it our personal like. Let's do some self improvement here. Some. What would Oprah do? Let's make it our goals to get. Let's try to spend our next COVID quarantine working on getting ourselves sponsorships. You can work on Popeye's. I'm going to work on Betty Crocker. Okay. Okay. It's a deal. And you know what? Of course, I would rather help you get Betty Crocker than help me get Popeye, but that's my problem. Why? So we will try to get sponsorship during the next wave of shutdown. So I would like to say thank you, Alexandra Pelosi. Your new film sponsored by Duncan Hines is called American Selfie, One Nation Shoots Itself. It is available on Showtime as of this week. You have been a fantastic guest. Thank you. Thank you. 
You've been listening to Five Things That Make Life Better with me, Lisa Birnbach. My guest has been Alexandra Pelosi, the noted documentarian and author. Her new film, American Selfie, One Nation Shoots Itself, is a tremendous look at America in 2020, the year that will be talked about and studied forever. You can find pictures to everything and links to everything we've talked about today on my website, lisabernbach.com. This podcast has been produced in New York by thefieldtv.com. Our engineer is Kevin Watkins. The team is Michael Ports, Bressa Arucci, Boko Haft, and Sam Haft. Until next week, keep your mask on and act natural. Bye-bye. That was Five Things with Lisa Bernbach. New episodes every Friday, if she remembers. 